0: You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Jeff. Doing well. Have a good week so far. Let's uh, look for better things to happen. So first, Eric, let's take a look at some economic data. So yesterday, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics said that producer prices for total final demand in April fell 0.4%, which is significantly lower estimates of 0.1%. And likewise, the Labor Department said initial claims for state unemployment benefits fell by 1,000 last week to a seasonally adjusted 264000 for the week ending May 9th. So what are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing with the economic data? Again, I would think you'd say it seems to be more of the same.
1: Uh, same old, same old. The retail sales were flat in April, which I think stunned the market. In fact, it might have caused the gold to rally because, of course, it delays the the likelihood of a rate increase. I, I still can't imagine a rate increase of any import happening. Uh, maybe it might be even as little as 12.5 basis points, something like that, which would I think just be some kind of statement by the Fed that wouldn't really change anything. So, the economies um, are lackluster, vulnerable to financial chaos, and um, nothing really new there in the sense that all the data continues to confirm that there's uh, no recovery.
0: So, moving on to a topic we discussed last week, which is volatility in the markets. Last week, we discussed volatility within the foreign currency markets. What are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing this week, Eric?
1: Well, I think the most important thing is volatility in the Bond market, we've had rates on German bonds shoot up, on the ten-year treasury shoot up. All the while, the central banks are buying most of those bonds, and, and then there's some some theory around that there's there's just not even enough buying by central banks to maintain uh, the rate structure that they want to do, and that um, yields have crept up in the face of this buying. So, and of course, the rallies have been studying, and the center, in rally in yields has been studying. So it's a concern that there's a, maybe the central banks are losing control of the markets that they most like to control. So that's a big concern. Of course, we've also got the U.S. dollar is falling real hard here off its peak. The Euros rallied, uh, lots of other currencies rallied, including the Canadian dollar. And I've stated before that one of the unusual ironies is that the currencies seem to be more volatile than anything else, although the bonds are playing catch up here. They're, they're incredibly volatile. So it's, uh, it's a difficult uh, world to try to understand what's going on in the uh, the macro financial market because it's uh, it's getting very volatile.
0: So speaking of things that are difficult to understand, Eric, let's take a look what's happening in Greece and likewise with their ongoing debt crisis and what's been happening with them and the ECB. What are your thoughts,
1: Eric? Well, there's a huge irony going on in that the, the ECB or the troika keep saying to Greece, you know, you've got to batten down the hatches and have an austerity program and otherwise we won't keep you to $7.2 billion. Well, every week, there's at least uh, $1 to $2 billion going into Greek banks under the Emergency lending Authority, so much so that they lent $80 billion to the Greek banks to offset the deposits going out. So, here we are, we spend all this time arguing over $7.2 but In the meantime, they put $80 billion into the banks uh, which tells you that the real concern is the banking system. They're trying to make sure that the Greek banking system doesn't cause a, a domino effect on other banking systems. So they, they just have to keep pouring money in all the time. And I think it's a, it's a statement about how dire the financial system is that the biggest fear they have is that banks lose depositors, have to sell assets, and if they sell assets, you end up with a domino effect. And, of course, since Lehman, we've never allowed a liquidation, and it looks like they're not going to allow a liquidation of the Greek banking system, which had the ECB not come in with that $80 billion, there would have been all sorts of asset sales going on around the world. And one, of course, one asset sale leads to the decline of another asset, which is what we saw in Lehman. So it, they're kind of speaking out of both sides of the mouth in the sense that we're not going to give it a $7 billion, but here's another $2 billion this week for your bank. So... It's uh, it's a little crazy uh, what the message is that the ECB is trying to deliver here because on one hand they've been massively supportive of Greece and yet but yet we're arguing about this paltry little amount of 7.2 billion that uh, that was promised but may not be forthcoming so I don't know where it's all going to lead to but I suspect that the ECB is probably going to take over the banking system and call it a bad bank or something and. And they always do this to not cause any liquidation of any assets, which is by far, I think, the most important thing that they try to do, and they've done so for the last, ever since the 07-08 crisis, everything's done to prevent liquidation, because we know what happened in the liquidation, Lehman. So, I don't know where the $7.2 billion is going to go. I mean, it almost seems inconsequential relative to the $80 they put up already, but uh, we'll
0: stand by on that one. So, Eric, moving on to a topic that's been, uh, I guess, in hot discussion this week. Uh, Roy Seabag and his team at BitGold have launched this week on Monday. They went public. What are your thoughts on BitGold and how it will affect the market?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, I should state that I uh, share over on BitGold and I was uh, a participant in the recent uh, IPO. Uh, and of course, there's a number of reasons for me to do that. One, I would like to see it be successful, and two, I believe in gold as a currency. But I think the reason I would like to discuss that is that this could change things for gold uh, because it's a Internet platform that's available to all people in the world where they can take money out of a bank and buy gold with it and, and will be able to use it as a currency. And so you're avoiding the counterparty risk while at the same time having the benefit of owning gold, which through its history has always gone up. Certainly in the last four years it hasn't, but you take any longer time period, it has gone up, and it seems like a better It's always seemed like a better alternative to me to have your money out of the banking system and into gold. And um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly this manifests itself. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin, which wasn't backed by anything, I think Got up to something like four billion of value. I would think a bit gold, uh, which has the same characteristics as uh, Bitcoin, could do multiples of that. So it could have a dramatic impact on. Uh, gold and silver
0: markets. Excellent. So, sticking with gold and silver markets, we've seen some interesting movements in the precious metal markets this week. Uh, we likewise seen a report released from, I guess, a party we know you're not too keen on, the World Gold Council that says that uh, Indians' gold demand during uh, January to the March quarter went up 15% to 191.7 tons compared to the same time last year. What are your thoughts in terms of the numbers and likewise what's happening within the movement of metals this week? Sure.
1: Well, there's been some great numbers that have come out of it. India. I uh, believe the, the April number, w- which was announced recently, they imported 111 tons. If you want to analyze that, you could have over 1,300 tons. Uh, last year, the demand was under uh, under 1,000 tons, and when you get a, a, a participant like that buys an extra 300 tons in a 4,000 ton market, that has a big, big impact. Uh, I, I was reading this morning that um, so far in May, it looks like they've imported 60 tons we're not even, well, we're just halfway through the month, but those that it was probably dated about May 12th. Uh, I've also noticed that the silver demand has stayed incredibly strong. I think the number was something like 30 million ounces in in the month of March, which again, on an annualized basis, 360 million ounces. Well, we only produce 800 million ounces of silver, and most of that is supposed to be used for um, industrial purposes. And of course, some of the Indian demand is for industrial purposes, but Numbers are very strong, they continue to buy, they continue to believe. So I think that it's that fiscal market that keeps showing signs of tightness. We seem to be in backward Haitian in gold in London, which suggests a certain tightness. Uh, you have more and more commentators coming out favoring gold, and more mainstream people who, who see the financial system at great, great risk here, and I certainly include myself as one of those people. So we've had a, a bit of a bounce here. It's interesting that uh, silver has led the parade here. And it wouldn't take much buying in silver to really set things going. We have a pretty good setup in the uh, commitment of traders structure on the COMEX for a good bullish run. We've had these uh, decline in bond, uh, bond prices, which is shaking a few of the bond believers. And I think most of the equity participants are looking at these numbers, the economic numbers that we have, and just, they just—they can hardly believe that the stock market should be going up, and all the macro data is so weak. So we could we could see a, a reshifting of people over to gold and silver. I think it's also very important that what happened in China this last week, where it looks like the People's Bank of China is considering all sorts of procedures to try to assist their economy, and and it looks like. Uh, they might even be looking at a, some form of quantitative easing, certainly more lending. And all of these things tend to draw people to gold because we know that the history of those things has, has not worked. It, it didn't work in the States. It didn't work in uh, in Japan. It helps asset prices, but it doesn't help the economy at all. So I think the Chinese kind of opening up and we see that their economies uh, have been weak that they don't seem to have the answer. And of course, now they're reverting to monetary initiatives, which is always a great thing for gold because those initiatives are mostly interpreted as being irresponsible. So I'm hoping that we can have a good run here. A lot of stocks have acted very, very well. Typically, the stocks run before the gold price does. I can tell you from first hand experience that there's a number of gold stocks that have easily got up 100% here in the last six months. So We have a bit of a bull market going on in the gold stocks, and I suspect we'll see the same in uh, the precious metals themselves.
0: I really hope so as well, Eric. Well, as usual, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up, and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come, Eric. Okay, Jeff, all of us. Thanks. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprout Money News. Have a great weekend.